0: Listen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, I I thank you so much that your grace does amaze us. Lord, and I pray that as we open your word, Lord Jesus, that you would strengthen us by who you are. Lord, that we would see um, that we don't deserve you. Lord Jesus, and that it is so humbling to be your servant, uh, and to be able to follow you, Lord Jesus, and to have the privilege to lead others, Lord, and I just pray that you would just use your word tonight in a mighty way, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. So as we continue on moving through Galatians, uh, what a wonderful book, and Uh, As I think back to kind of the last couple weeks with it, um, we had Simeon last week, and uh, you just kind of, what I do whenever I'm listening uh, to others, I like to to pull out little nuggets uh, that kind of hang with me and kind of stick with me the rest of the week. And just uh, how easy it is for us uh, to fall into that legalism and to really to uh, become stumbling blocks for those around us, which we saw Cephas last week to do that and to become a stumbling block for Barnabas. And uh, as you just think of that, and as I thought about that this week of just, you know, what, what are things that, that I do in my life just because, in a sense, it's the way I've always done them. Because we need to have compassion on Cephas here as, as we see Christ always have compassion with those uh, who are a little off, right? And, and with us even, right? None of us have truly uh, hit the nail right on the head. There's always ways that we can continue to be refined, ways that we can continue to grow in Christ. Ways that that we can allow him to have our whole lives. You know, and and when we think of something as simple as, like, singing that song, I Surrender All. You know, what, what that really means in its fullness, that's a hard pill to swallow. Because there are so many... Things, whether it be minutes in the day, whether it be relationships, whether it be job opportunities, whether it be husband, wives, children, girlfriends, boyfriends, you know, they can always be inched back to be centered in Christ. And so let's take that approach as we kind of look at this uh, passage of Scripture uh, that we can all easily bend like Cephas did. And we can lead others astray. But praise be to God, uh, we've got this Scripture here with us uh, to help us through those things. So um, I'm going to start back. Uh, in verse 11 to kind of help us to get a running start into the scripture here. And so uh, Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, it says, But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face, because he stood condemned. We, before before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. And the rest of the Jews acted hypocritically along with him, so that even Barnabas was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, If you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like Jews? For we ourselves are Jews by birth, not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law but through faith in Jesus Christ so that we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to do to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law no one will be justified but if In our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And so as we think of this uh, being a passage of Scripture of nullifying Christ to come at all, if we stay in this vein and continue to walk in this then Christ should not have even came. So that's the seriousness. That's the weight of what is happening here. Because if we've talked about it earlier, uh, we are not wanting to put out a false gospel. And anything that we are adding to that gospel is false. And we need not attach it. And so let's dig in. Uh, Let's start in this first part here, um, 15 and 16. And it says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And so he's speaking to Cephas here with, with the thought process of is, yes, by birth, we were children of God. By birth, we were. Not just regular Gentile sinners who didn't have the privilege of being born into the Jewish heritage here. Okay, and so he's trying to to paint the line here. Okay, are we going to stay in this this line, or are we going to now that Jesus has come, are we going to allow these things to merge together, or are we going to stay in two different lanes? And so he says yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law but through faith in Christ Jesus so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law because by works of the law no one Will be justified, and so he speaks to him more in, in in first in kind of a general way, and then he goes real personal with him, and then he goes universal. Listen to what he says. So here's the general way. It says, "Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ." So we also, so he's moving to the personal aspect of it, so we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith and not by works of the law, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And so he moves into that universal vein where he goes in, that in order to be justified by faith, we have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith, not by works of the law. Because by works of the law, no one will be justified. And John MacArthur speaks of of the law and kind of trying to be justified by the law. He says, the law serves as a mirror to reveal sin, not to not a cure for it. And so, this this law that they were reading it just allowed them to see how fallen they were, how much they need a savior. And so, I want to go back to um, and let's go to the Gospel of Luke real quick to kind of get into that to see how. People were feeling in this time period we're going to be uh, in chapter 1 of Luke and then we're going to swing over uh, to chapter uh, 10 of Luke and so in chapter 1 I know it's not Christmas time but we're going to the Christmas story okay And so we've got uh, the angel Gabriel who is showing up on the scene and he is speaking to Zechariah who is in the temple making an offering of incense. And so it says the the angel shows up on him in verse 13 and it says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayers have been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And so as as they have had 400 years of silence from hearing from God, from the end of Malachi to the beginning of Christ's birth, there is silence. And so in this, as they are going, offering to try to, to have the Messiah to come. They're yearning to have the Messiah to come. That's their desire because they see after year, after year, after year that this law is just a mirror. It just reveals their sin, but not the cure of it. They desire the Messiah. They're desiring Him to come. And so the prayers have been answered. Yes, it's great that Elizabeth gets a son and was barren, but let's think about Zechariah as he is the high priest who is going into this section. He's praying. He wants the Messiah to come. He wants to restore the people. This is their hope. This is what they're looking for, to be a blessing to all nations. And let's flip over, let's kind of build on that, and let's flip over to Luke chapter 10. And Jesus, in chapter 10, verse 17, Jesus has just sent out 72 uh, disciples, and, and they've gone out, and they come back, and they are just pumped. Okay, they are just so excited. They are just... Uh, Like, all the demons are in subject to them, and and they are just coming back, and they're just like, Jesus. Right? I mean, like, giddy. Okay? Like, they deserve a, right? Okay? So um, I'm on staff now. I'm allowed to give those from the pulpit. I'm just playing. Um, But anyway, sorry. They were just giddy. Okay? And we have to understand how excited they were. But here's where where Christ takes them, okay? He says, Nevertheless, do not rejoice, in verse 20, do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And then it goes on to say, and it said, In that same hour he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And then turning to his disciples, I love this. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and, to, and not to see it, and to hear what you hear and not to hear it. And here's what R.C. Sproul said about this passage of Scripture of the prophets and kings just desiring to see this, this hope for the Messiah to come. Listen to what he says. It says, Wouldn't Abraham have rejoiced to see the feeding of the 5,000? Wouldn't Moses, Moses have enjoyed listening to the Sermon on the Mount? Wouldn't Elijah have delighted to watch Jesus turn water into wine, wouldn't King Solomon in all his splendor had been willing to part with his riches for the opportunity of witnessing Jesus raise Jarus' daughter from the dead? Think about that, guys wouldn't they have rejoiced to see that day? Because that's what they were longing for. Because they realized that the law was not setting them free. It was not. Let's jump over just a little bit later in Galatians. Go back to Galatians with me. And jump over to verse uh, chapter 3. Verse 23, it says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. Because there wasn't freedom in the law. There wasn't set free in the law. They were prisoners to it. They were held captive by it. And so Paul is like speaking to him and telling him the gravity of this. Like we might as well throw the whole faith just out the window. If this is the way that we're going to bend, if this is the the gospel and this, if this is what we are going to do, we might as well throw it out the window because we're going to be captive again. We're not going to have freedom because the only freedom is through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And he gets into that. He keeps on going. In 17, it says, but if in our In our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. So basically what Paul's saying here is this, are we saying Christ is a liar? When we choose the law over faith, we're calling Christ a liar. Come with me where he's probably going. Let's go over to Mark 7. Go over to Mark 7 where he addresses what's going on about eating. Mark seven eighteen through 20. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declares all food clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him, and so as you're thinking of that, as they are thinking of this eating together, breaking bread together, and they're not following the law, they may be eating something with the, with the hooves not forked, or they, they might it might not be, not be strangled enough, or whatever the case may be. He's like, hey, I've declared this; it's fine. And then in Acts 10, he even brings down a sheep and brings it to him a couple times, three times to be exact, and he says, hey, come on, eat. Anything I make is clean. And so if if we're going to go back to the legalism here, and Paul gets into that next, go back over to Galatians with me. And he says, For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. He says, hey, this is what I was walking in. I was persecuting the church. I was climbing up that ladder. I was handling business in a legalistic way. He says, that was all torn down. He says, am I going to go and rebuild that now? Am I going to fall back into that trap? And then he really gets into it and just digs into us really nicely. And he says, For through the law I died to the law, so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Wrap this around baptism for me, okay? buried with him in baptism, and resurrected to walk in newness of life. We are dying to that old law. We are dying to be reborn. We are dying to that flesh to now walk in newness of life, to live as Christ has called us to live. And so what we've got here. For through the law, I died to the law, so that I might live to God. Because we can't continue to stay in both lanes. We can't keep our legalism and our faith. It has to die. Our old way has to die. We can't just compartmentalize Christ. We can't just give him, oh, you take care of heaven, I'll take care of everything else. Or you take care of my church time, and let's be holy now. But then, when I'm at home, let's be wicked and vile. He doesn't want us to compartmentalize him. We can't keep both. They have got to die. All right? When I when I talk to people, and it's probably a good example. But like, if I baptize you and I held you under the water, guess what? I will kill you. Right? Because you will not get up. So you better walk in that newness of life. Right? Because that old man, I'm going to leave him in the water. I might choke him a little bit. And, right? Because we want him to die. Right? Piper talks about that scripture where it talks about putting putting sin to death. Right? Well, I explain it. If any of you have ever met my little dog, Chester, okay, Chester is the most docile dog you were ever going to meet in your entire life. And he is just like, he's almost like an Eeyore character, and he just kind of does his thing. And, yeah, he is a dog that you can put down, right? I mean, you just got to kind of lay him over there. But that's not what he wants us to do. Sin is like a pit bull. Trying to come and attack us, and our children are all around us. Well, what am I going to do? I'm going to jump off of this stage and I'm going to try to snap that sucker's neck off. Right? I know, I'm sorry, I'm getting a little aggressive. I apologize. (laughs) See, y'all didn't know what all y'all was getting, did you? I apologize. (laughs) But that's how aggressive we must be towards sin and towards staying in legalism that just kind of creeps in on us. Whether we, whether we do it by racism or whether we do it by economic standards or whether we do it by education, it doesn't matter. We need to kill that or it will kill us. And that's how serious he's talking here. Because if that breeds up in us, what guess what it's going to cause? It's going to cause division. And then if it causes division, guess what? We're not unified in Christ. And if we want to thrive and be an example to this world for the kingdom of God, we must be unified. And so if we don't take things like this seriously and truly see them, think about about the language that he uses here. I mean, he basically repeats it, He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And so guys, whatever we have going on in here, whatever we have going on, in here put it to death trust Christ in it you can't work hard enough to make it go away but allow Christ to allow you to live free and free indeed because that's why to set us free, to reconcile us. And let's live as a reconciled people. Because we never, listen to this, when he goes back, and we'll finish here, when he goes back in that last line, and he says, I do not nullify The grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And if we as believers walk in our sin and think that it's okay, we nullify our Savior coming. And that's not where I want to be, that's not where I want to stand. And I refuse to stand in that. But I need y'all walking with me through that. We need to be walking in that together. And be a church that refuses to nullify what Christ came and did. Because he came for purpose. To set us all right. To be children of the king. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, I love you so much. Lord, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you so much for just its power. It's your power. Lord, and I pray that you would do a mighty work with your word tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.